Amen. Thank you, Ron. God bless you this morning, church. Stand, open your Bibles to Psalm 78. It's going to be another great service because the big screen's not working today again. Hallelujah. We'll take it as an indicator. Wonderful time these past few weeks that we've been talking and preaching about being in the Spirit and uh, life in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. And today we're going to talk about in the Spirit and just uh, the normal Christian life. I mean, there's a lot of what we call normal is abnormal, according to the Bible. But Jesus is what's normal. Amen? And he is our example. He is our prototype of what it is to walk in the Spirit, to be uh, led by the Spirit. And uh, so we just want to continue uh, in this uh, series. And uh, I have referred to this psalm uh, several times, Psalm 78. And uh, as we look at some verses this morning, uh, I want to first just, um, well, we'll go to Psalm 78. I, I want to read you uh, some other verses, but let's just look at, uh, at that as well. And y'all are already there, and I'm trying to get there. Psalm 78, this is a long psalm, and in this psalm, it is talking about... Uh, how that the coming generation, and it's kind of apropos today with the school and the children and the prayer that was just made. It says in verse 5 that he established a testimony in Jacob and he appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. And the reason, he says, the next verse, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, why? So that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Now, we've got to remember, this is under the law. This is under the old covenant, but it still is good what, it, what God is saying here. It says, the, the, uh, verse 9, the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turn back in the day of battle. And if you wonder why they turn back, verse 11 says, because they forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. And so they didn't have the, they didn't have the confidence. They didn't have the strength in God to, to continue on. And the, but the Bible there says that they were armed and carrying bows. They were fully prepared. God had put in them and provided for them everything that they needed. But they turned back in the day of battle. And in verse 41 of the same 78 Psalm, it says, yes, again and again, they tempted God, and look at this, and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, we serve an unlimited God. How many believe that? He is absolutely unlimited. But yet, that's an amazing verse that says that they limited the unlimited God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. How can you limit an unlimited God? We limit God by putting him inside our religious boxes, our mentalities, what we think is of God, what is not of God, what we believe, what we don't believe. Uh, and we limit God. All of us limit God. Whether we mean to or not, we, we limit God. I limit God. But we don't want to, to, to put constraints upon God or limit God because God is limitless. He is infinite. We are finite. We are definable. He's undefinable. You can't define God. The Bible's filled with, with, 
with revelation of who God is, but, but the Bible doesn't contain God. It's the book that reveals God, but he's not limited to the book. Now, don't get scared. We went off this to make up another Bible. I've had a few folks show up at my house telling me that God you know, needed another book. I tell them, thank you. I'm still having trouble with this one. I hadn't gotten this one figured out yet and never will. So I don't need another testament of Jesus. I'm just going to hang with this one, you know. But we limit God, and, and uh, the further we go in, in my life and generation, I want my children, your children, our grandchildren, and those yet to be born to know the works of God, to know the power of God, to experience God, not just hear about him, but to experience God. And, and, and to, to, to receive uh, the reality of who he is. Man, the awesome uh, presence of the Lord in, in worship. And I hope you, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you discern that. I mean, the, the presence of God just, you know, just, just filling our hearts during the, as Ron said, during the worship. So that's what we want to go after today. Father, we, we do love you. And I just pray today that you glorify the name of your son Jesus in this place that this church be edified, built up and strengthened, but your son be glorified by everything that we do and say. Father, help us to take off the restraints and the limits of our unbelief. And Lord, that you would display your kingdom power, glory, signs, wonders, and miracles. That you would confirm your word today. That you would do, Lord, those things that you have placed within us that they would come forth unhindered, unobstructed, that we would walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and we would know that the normal Christian life is a life of the Spirit, that you are a supernatural God, and let us not be superficial religious people. But let us be children of the Most High God. Let us know that we have a Father that is a God that can do anything, and has done all things. And Father, help us today not to limit you. Do, do, do things in our midst, in our generation, before us, oh God, that, that those who do not know you may believe and see the wonders of your glory, of your kingdom. Oh, Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Lord, though darkness covers the earth and gross darkness to peoples, you said the glory of the Lord shall rise upon us, that the glory of God shall be seen upon us, O oh Lord. So I pray because of Jesus, because thy light has come. And Jesus is the light of the world. And now he declares that we too are lights of this world. To Lord God, to reflect and to display and to... Let the glory of God be seen upon your people today. Let the glory of God be upon your people, Lord God, even in this service today. Let your glory, Lord God, is Christ Jesus in you, the hope of glory. And God, it's a glory that can be seen. It's a glory that can be observed, Lord, the glory of God. Lord God, we call for that glory to be manifested. Lord, show us thy glory. Even as Moses prayed, we pray, let us see uh, your son Jesus in a, in, a, in a multifaceted display of splendor and glory. Oh, we praise you for your manifested presence today. And we don't take it for granted. We're so glad for it, Father. 
and do all that you desire to do even in this very service today. Bless these people. Let them know, Father, how much you love them. Let them know, Lord. Let them know how much you love them. I even heard the Lord today during the worship service, and we don't have a clue of how much God loves us. I felt like God began to speak to my heart, and he said, even though Cain murdered Abel, yet I set my mark upon him that no harm would come to him, that no one would kill him. Even though he committed the first murder recorded in the Bible, and he murdered not a stranger but his own brother, yet God did not come as a vengeful God to murder him and to give him eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, but God come and did the opposite. God spoke to him in loving kindness, and God marked him so that no harm would come to him. We don't understand that even though we've done things that have been against God and against his word, but yet God has marked you for his glory. God has marked you for his presence, and even God has marked this house, he said to me, for his splendor and for his glory. God has marked this place. You are a marked person today. Know that the same mercy that God extended to Cain is that mercy still flows today. It flows to all that will receive and believe. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. I feel like praying a while this morning. <laughs> you can be seated. <clears throat> Glory. We give you praise, God. We thank you for your great love and mercy to us. The Bible speaks a lot, and even this morning at, at 5 o'clock, I was awakened, and, and man, I have to sort my dreams out because I dream every night. I know some people say they don't. I wish a lot of nights I didn't. I feel like I could sleep more sound. I dream in Technicolor every night. If you could take a USB port and stick it to my neck somewhere and record the dream, some of them now you'd have to throw away, but uh, a lot of them would make real entertainment for you. Uh, but God does, I believe, communicate to us and all of us in different ways, ways that we can be communicated with. But even at 5 this morning, I was dreaming in my dream, and I was preaching to people. And... Uh, People today sometimes have become so educated, uh, so suspicious, so cynical that they no longer even believe in a supernatural God. Uh, the internet has given people who have no voice and nothing to say a platform from which to say it. Uh, Facebook, Gracebook, uh, show off book or whatever you want to call it but has given many people a platform that don't need a platform and there is a meanness and a ferocious uh, sadistic hatred uh, that people write about things that they know not of they talk about things that they were not there they uh, did not experience but the God we serve in the New Testament Bible even after the resurrection of Jesus so this puts us in the time of the grace of God being manifested, yet his apostles still prayed for signs, wonders, and miracles. They still believed for things beyond the human limitations and capacity of humans, 
And in Acts chapter 4, verse 30, they're, they're actually praying a prayer there. They've just gotten in trouble with the religious crowd, and yet they return from that. And they ask God, in verse 30, to stretch out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So we see healing there, and yet they're also praying for signs and wonders. Uh, you've probably heard it said, may or may not, but many people say that God does signs that make you wonder. Uh, you're not going to figure it all out. And God is not limited to what has happened in the past, and yet Jesus did many signs. In fact, if signs themselves are wrong, then that makes Jesus wrong. Because the Bible said the first sign that Jesus did in Canaan was he turned water into wine. That was his first sign. And then it goes on to say this was the second sign that Jesus did when he healed a man's servant son who was sick. And Jesus never even went, just said he sent the word and his servant was made whole. And so the Bible talks about these signs and wonders. And then yet Jesus' heart was, was moved and broken because the Pharisees and the scribes kept asking him for a sign. But they were wanting a sign to prove that he was the son of God. And, and, and they needed no such proof. They had the scriptures. They had the knowledge, but they were blinded by religion. And so uh, Jesus said, no sign shall be given this wicked and perverse generation because they're the ones that are seeking a sign. But the, the motive for that desiring a sign, if you travel, and this is especially before the days of GPS and cell phones and all that we have available to us, now it's almost like, you know, I feel like how did we make it? How did we ever travel anywhere without a GPS, you know, on your phone or device? And, and um, it just makes it so much easier, though sometimes it will lead you astray, but most of the time it does pretty well. And, um, but yet, uh, when you didn't have that, you had to depend on road signs. And those signs were helpful, were they not? Just to realize that you're still on the same road. You're I-75 South. You hadn't, you hadn't messed up. You're, you know, and, and listen, the, the only people that need signs are the ones that don't know where they're going. <clears throat> it's going to be deep this morning. Y'all hang on. If, you, if you're in a strange place, or, 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 or I don't mean strange weird-wise, but a strange place to you because you've not been there before, you need signs. Now, the Bible says, and these signs in Mark 16 shall follow them that believe. Now, I believe, and I've been doing this long enough now, that I've seen a lot of crazy, foolish, ridiculous stuff done in the name of Jesus and blamed on the Holy Spirit. And uh, it was just stuff dumb enough that I knew it wasn't God. And there was no fruit that it was God. And I'll talk about that in a second. But, but believers as a whole tend to get all caught up in stuff, and they'll, and they'll follow signs in a heartbeat. But really, we're not supposed to follow signs. Signs are supposed to follow us. And these signs shall follow them. But not everybody them, but them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. See, now the Bible's clear that one thing the devil cannot do is he can't cast himself out. They accuse Jesus of casting out devils in the name of the devil, Beelzebub, which means Lord of Flies. And Jesus said Satan cannot cast out Satan. He can't do it. 
Now, most of you in this room, probably, and this is what I was dreaming at 5 o'clock, so I thought I'd talk about it and <clears throat> see where it goes. But I was standing up before a crowd of people at 5 a.m. this morning in my dream, wherever I was at, and I said, I want you to tell me and show me where in the Bible is the verse that says Satan can heal people that are sick. And boy, I felt the room just shift in my dream. And people went, I heard Bibles flipping. They started flipping their pages trying to find it. And I stood there and gave them plenty of time. I said, I'm waiting. And I said, don't pull me out of that verse out of 2 Timothy because I already know that one. That's the only one you think you got and you don't got that one because it don't even mention the word healing. So, well, I'd be rough in my dreams on them. But most of you in this room have heard that Satan can heal people. So don't believe in all that. Stuff, you know, the healing and all. There is no verse in the Bible in its entirety that ever says that Satan has ever healed nor can heal anybody. Satan can't heal anybody. He can make you sick. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, that God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He went about doing good. What did that look like? He healed all that was sick and oppressed by the devil. So if they were sick, it come from the devil. didn't come from God. God's never made anybody sick. He can't give you cancer because he don't have cancer. He can't give you what he don't have. You might have learned a big lesson while you had it. You might have started praying while you had it. You might have decided you might need God while you had it. You might have went to church while you had it. But God didn't give you cancer to get you to read your Bible, go to church or pray or do any of that. That's just what it took for your hard head. To realize you can't make it by yourself. You need God. I can walk out in 84 out here and get hit by a car and lay in the hospital six months. Give you a lot of Bible reading time, tape listing, you who, too, whatever. She come on, untie my bow tie. Shoot a mosquito, shoot a mosquito because they got West Nile virus. But it don't make it God. I spend my ministry defending, don't have to, it's called the lies against my father. Jesus went about doing good healing all the sick and oppressed of the devil. So the devil don't heal people. So you don't have to be afraid of all that. The devil will make you sick, but he can't heal you. The Bible understands that. And then a man named Nicodemus, who was a, a Pharisee, a teacher of the scriptures, came to Jesus by night. In John 3, and he, he said, the first thing he said to Jesus is, he's master, rabbi, teacher, we know that you're from God. For no man can work the works and do the miracles and signs that you're doing except he be from God. The church today ain't got enough sense to know what's from God and what's from the devil. I hear it a lot of times, we still have the same today. You can go on Google and you'll see people attributing the works of God to the devil. And the works of the devil... God. They call light darkness and darkness light. And they don't even know what they're talking about. There are some people that are so opposed to the supernatural and thereby they have limited God. You can be a believer, be born again. If you die, you go to heaven to be with the Lord. But yet you can be an unbeliever when it comes to the healing power of the Lord. And you can go to one of the churches, you know, that you can find in any city in America that will teach and preach to you that God doesn't do miracles anymore and he doesn't heal anymore because we don't need to because we have the Bible now. Ask them what verse they got that out of. 
There are many teach a doctrine, a theological position that's not found in the Bible called cessationism, which means that the works of the of, of supernatural power of God has ceased. Cessationism means it ceased. And they say it died with the last apostle. Well, I would just say to you that all the apostles ain't dead yet. You'll just have to see law, pause, reflect, meditate on what that might mean. But there were 12 apostles who followed Jesus. One of them didn't turn out so great. His name was Judas Iscariot. Those are special apostles, nor shall they ever be any like them. He was replaced when he forfeited his position by Matthias, and that's recorded in Acts chapter 1. But there are also many uh well over 10, 13, 14 apostles named after those first 12 in your New Testament Bible. Paul was the most notable of those who were not an apostle following Jesus in the manner that those 12 did. But yet they were apostles indeed. And Ephesians 4 says that God has called and set some in the church, first apostles. Actually, that's Acts, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. God has set in the church first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, ministrations, gifts, helps. See, when you start having miracles, signs, and wonders, you're going to need helps in administration. Yeah. Ephesians 4 says that God has called some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, you can't smorgasbord this and, you know, eat the chicken and bypass the turnip greens. You've got to get it all. Okay? So if there are no apostles and there are no prophets today, then listen. For you to be theologically sound and consistent with Scripture, you have to also admit there are no pastors. There are no teachers. There are no evangelists. You cannot pick the ones that your theology agrees with. You have to take all five or leave all five. If you agree with that, say amen. If you don't, get out. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Just teasing. And God has called some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of ministry. How long are they going to be here? Till we all come into the unity of the faith. Into the fullness of the stature of the man Christ Jesus. God has given those gifts Ascension gifts, those are not gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are personal gifts from Jesus himself. For the Bible says when he ascended, he gave gifts unto men. You're looking at one of your presents up here today. Hallelujah. The fivefold ministry, as it's called sometimes, they are ascension gifts of Christ. They are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those are talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It mentions nine of them. There are much more than nine. Those gifts are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, discerning or distinguishing between spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretations of those tongues, the gifts of diverse healings, miracles. God's a God of that. And so every now and then, we need to be reminded to get the limits off of God. I talked to you last Sunday that how that, that the, a life in the Spirit is the normal Christian life. And for you to ever even attempt as a person to replicate or duplicate 
anything Jesus did, you first must believe in the humanity of Christ. That in itself could be a long sermon, but I'm just going to real quickly say to you that Jesus Christ, as we said, was 100% God, 100% man, but God laid aside his divinity as far as the use of it. And he became a man just like us. Now listen to me. A lot of Christians run around here and teach and believe that Jesus, when he walked the earth, knew everything. And that they believe he was using his godness, if I can say it that way, to know everything. And they actually consider, when I make a statement like that, to almost be blasphemous. To even suggest to you that Jesus didn't know everything. But that's because they don't read their Bible. They just towed it to church. Jesus himself said... When asked what will be the sign of the end of the age, Jesus said, nobody knows that, not even the Son. And that was capital S-O-N. He said, I don't know. So either he's lying or there was something he did not know. The Bible says when Jesus was 12 years old, when his mother and dad didn't understand his ministry, and they found him in the temple, Jesus looks at them and says, don't you know when they were kind of his mother was chiding him over his absence in the caravan. And they had to come back two days' journey to get him because he missed the, the ride home. Y'all with me? But they're chiding and rebuking him. And he says, don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? And he wasn't talking about his dad standing there, Joseph. He was saying, if anybody should understand what I'm doing, it should be you and dad. Y'all told me you both had a personal visit from my father's angel, Gabriel, who's one of the archangels, right or wrong. So they both had private personal visits of an angel. You ever wonder why God didn't do that in front of somebody so they could have a witness? God's not much into trying to prove nothing to you. God's a God that a lot of things are private just between you and him. Some of you, God can't share nothing with you because you'll be on Facebook with it five minutes after he. See, when you got a real good friend, sometimes it's just stuff between you and them, and it needs to stay like that. You don't have to tell us everything God ever done in your life and said to you if it's involving just you and him. Now, there was reasons that God sent Gabriel to Mary, and there was reasons he sent Gabriel to Joseph so he wouldn't divorce his wife and pardon me, screw things up for all of us because we needed Joseph. Do you know that in the Bible you'll never find one vowel, consonant either, or one word ever recorded in Scripture spoken by Joseph? That's notable. You see where angels spoke to him. You see where he reacted and responded to that. But you don't see, now I'm sure he was not a mute and he spoke and said things, but they're not in the Bible. I know he apologized to his wife Mary for disbelieving her angelic visitation and the cause of her pregnancy, of which he initially failed to believe. Can't wait to get to heaven and check out that DVD to watch that, just to see how the brother handled it. <clears throat> God's a supernatural God. And we need to, as this series is in the spirit, walk in the spirit, but you, you have to be a, uh, convinced that Jesus, he grew. In other words, when his mother got on him, 
And Jesus said to him, don't you know I've got to be about my father's business? Listen to the next verse. This is in Luke 2. It says, they understood not the things that he spoke. Listen to the next verse. But Jesus made himself subject unto them and went down to Nazareth with them. You want to see the results of that? Next verse. And Jesus grew in statue and in wisdom. Whoa, let's, whoa, what? If Jesus is God and God knows everything, how can God grow in wisdom? So obviously he laid aside his divinity. Do you understand that Jesus had to be revealed to that he was Jesus? Just like you've got to be revealed to what God's called you to do in your life, Jesus had to be convinced and revealed that he was the Son of God. I believe the stories that his mom and dad shared with him when he got old enough to understand them helped him. And God's dealings and speakings and promptings and the scripture that he learned revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he was, in fact, the Messiah, the Son of God. And he became fully convinced that he was God's son. The Bible said he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Some of you think you only need God. You need favor with man. You have favor with God by birth. Don't ever pray for favor under the New Testament grace as if you don't have it. That would be as dumb as a little child saying to their parents, please like me more than the neighbor's kids. That child has favor by birth. That mother and dad's going to care for, love, and take care of that child because of birth. Even if you're ugly, they're going to take you home from the hospital because you're theirs. Come on, I'm just being, don't be mad. I'm just talking. Stop praying as if you don't have favor. They did that in the old covenant because they didn't have it. Just automatic. But you do when you put your faith in Jesus. You have, by the new birth, the favor of a loving God who will never take his eyes off you for one second, whose, whose ear will always be open to your cry, who, whose eye shall be upon you always. He'll never, for, you've never been without God for one microsecond, one millisecond. God's with you. God's in you. God's for you. You've got to live with that confidence. You may not feel him. You may not see him. You may not can touch him. He can touch you, but he's not going to train you to be a, a feely, feely person. I remember when my first son was born, and, and Justin, and he was a little baby, and we, we lived in a little home, and right by our bed, I could reach over and touch him, was his uh, bassinet initially, then his baby bed. And he would cry in the night and in the day. And you know what would stop the crying? When he felt us hold him. You could hold him and you could rock him and, and, and all that. And, and it, would, it would bring peace to him. Just the, 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 the feeling. I, I've noticed like my, my, some of my grandbabies and, and different ones of them have done the same thing. But even Addie, her age now, when, when she lays, and I try to take every opportunity I can do this for her to take her nap at Poppy's house on Poppy's chest. My chest has got well enough I can do that again now. 
And when she goes to sleep, she'll take one of her little hands and just shove it right up there in my, in my chin on my, on my face right where she can feel it. And, and she'll go to sleep because she knows as long as she can feel that, Poppy's got me. Now, see, her mama ain't good as me because her mama will get her to sleep and lay her down by herself. And that's why she don't take but a 30-minute nap sometimes. But she'll sleep two hours, and she's done it many times, has she not? Two hours plus. And if she wakes up, she'll look and feel and see she's still poppy got her, and she'll go right back to sleep. See, that's how we're supposed to be with God. Now, when you first get saved, a lot of times you, 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 you feel God's presence. And I grew up in a, in a group of people. I love them, but they, there was too much emphasis placed on feeling the Lord. I, I, I can't remember a service that didn't start out kind of like this in our church. How many of you feel the Lord today? Aren't you glad? And everything was feel, feel, feel. How many feel the Lord? Oh, we're so thankful for the presence of the Lord we can feel. And, 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 and our God has manifested his presence today, and I believe you could feel it. But you can't live your life like that because in the morning you might wake up and not even feel saved. I wake up a lot of mornings feel lost as a goose. So you don't even understand that. That's because you're too religious. What do you mean you feel lost? Feel. I might not feel good. I don't wake up, you know, speaking in tongues every morning. I wake like, I don't wake up and go, glory to God this morning. Some mornings I wake up and go, good God this morning. Already. My head hurts. My foot hurts or whatever else hurts. Hang on, you'll get older too. Growing old is not for wimps. You ever heard that? It's the truth, buddy. You've got to be a man or a woman to grow old. Because you're going to discover things about yourself you didn't even know. Come on now. Help me, me, Mom. Okay, I'll stop it. I'll move on. Now listen to me. You have and always will as a child of God the favor of God. But you, you can increase in areas. You can increase in favor with men. You can increase in stature. Now, Jesus grew physically, but you increase in the spiritual stature. And Jesus grew in wisdom. That means he didn't know everything. He grew in wisdom. He got weary. He sat down at a well talking to a woman. And he didn't want to go into town and get the sandwich with the rest of them because he was tired. And he said he grew weary. He was thirsty. Those are all human, human things, not divine things. And so if you'll accept that, and listen to me, and I made this statement, and I'll say it again, and I'll move on. Every miracle that Jesus did that's recorded in the New Testament, he did, he did as a man full of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> From the time Jesus was born until he was 30, there is never any hint of any miracles. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I told you that somewhere between 12 years of age and 30 years of age when his ministry began at his water baptism, his daddy, natural dad, Joseph, Mary's husband, Joseph, dies. He's dead. He's never mentioned again. He's out of the picture. Jesus' title changes from the son of a carpenter to the carpenter himself. His responsibility changes. He takes responsibility for the family, as all Jewish elders of the family would do. And all those things change. We don't know what happened to Joseph, if he died slowly or suddenly, but he's dead. And if Jesus had had power, he would have believed he'd have raised his daddy from the dead and not, not done the funeral, took the body out there, watched his mother and brothers and sisters cry, and done nothing because he didn't feel like it. He couldn't do it. So Jesus had to be receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he did that as water baptism. He had to be endued with power from on high. He had to walk in that 
wisdom and stature and favor with God, but he had to, to be led and walk in the Spirit. And so as soon as you see Jesus coming out of the water baptism, you see the power of God. Now listen to me. In John chapter 12, and I'm not going to go to all these verses, but, but I know where a lot of them are located, or at least in the neighborhood they're in. And in John 12, we're right before Jesus going to the cross and to being crucified. And Jesus says to his Father, and he's saying to his Father and really to himself, what shall I say then to these things? In other words, he says, my spirit is troubled. I'm, I'm troubled uh, by what he sees ahead of him, what he's going to face. But what shall I say to these things? You know, God calls these things to, 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 to pass away or, you know, so I don't have to do them. And he says, God forbid. And then he prays this prayer and he says, Father, glorify thy name. And then when he said that prayer, this is what happened. God audibly spoke from heaven. He had done it before. He'd done it at his initial baptism. Remember that? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. One time in his, on the Mount of Transfiguration, remember he had Peter, James, and John with him? And Peter spoke up and said, let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And God spoke audibly then and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Which was a nice way to say to Peter, hush up. Stop trying to come up with an idea. A lot of times Christians don't know what to do when the presence of God comes into a service. First thing they want to do is try to hook up an IV to it and draw all of it for themselves. Sometimes that breaks my heart. Sometimes God wants to come not because you, you know, rung the bell at the front counter and need your luggage taken upstairs or because you need a miracle or a healing. Sometimes he just wants to be with us. And God's big enough, you ain't going to drain him out and, you know, get him tired. And if you need healing, you can sure draw from that because you're already healed. By his stripes, you were healed. You just hadn't received it yet. And I don't, that's another day, another sermon. But, but you, you, you got to understand that God's real. He's a real person to you. Friend of God. Now, see, that's the problem. Most of us serve God, at least initially, and many of us never move from that as a servant of God. We want God to be the boss. We want him to bark out orders, and then we want to obey him. And then you wonder why your prayers are not answered. Because God's not going to cooperate with you on a master-servant relationship. So if you see God as, his, as your master and you as his slave, servant, God, remember when Jesus resurrected, the first thing he said, before he went to the cross, he told him, he said, I call you no longer servants, but friends. So he said, this, this day of being master-servant deal, that's over with. Are you with me? And then when the first thing he said when he come out of the tomb, he upped the ante even further and said, he told the woman, Mary, go tell my disciples, he said, tell my brethren that I go before them and I'll meet them in Galilee. He called them brethren. And Jesus is our elder brother. Is that right? If he's your elder brother, that means you're in the same family, got the same daddy. All things are his is yours. That's why the Bible says you are joint heir with Christ Jesus. Amen? So in John 12, Jesus says, glorify thy name. And then the Father speaks audibly and says, I have glorified thy name, and I will yet glorify it again. And then this, listen to the verse. It says, those who stood by heard it. They heard him, the Father, audibly speak in this atmosphere. And this is what it says. Listen, some said it thundered. Others believed. 
There will all, listen, there will always be Christians around you who will attribute everything, though it be supernatural, to a natural reason. Oh, that wasn't God. Oh, that didn't happen. Oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, that didn't, you didn't really get healed. That's just whatever. And, and we never, you're never going to remove that. Some said it thundered. I've had a lot of people trying to t- sell me thunder when it was God's voice. See, that's because you heard thunder, but I heard God. And the wonderful thing is, I don't have to prove it to you. You just keep being a thunder Christian. And I'll hear his voice and follow him. I've had the privilege of seeing many things that many Christians will live their whole life and never see. I've seen signs, wonders, and miracles. I've seen God do awesome things. Healings. All kind of things. The problem with ever seeing one of those is you want it to happen every day, every Sunday, every... And for whatever the reasons are and may be, they, they don't happen as often as we would like for them to happen. But signs and all are absolutely New Testament Bible. And so the disciples in Acts 4 are praying for that. Verse 30. Acts chapter 5, verse 12, listen to this. And through the hands of the apostles, look at what it says. Many what? Signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. This is way after Jesus has been resurrected. And we're still seeing signs and wonders. Now you say, well, that was just for the apostles. That was just for those guys still alive, you know, that followed Jesus. They were the only ones that were doing that. Well, not so. Acts chapter 6, verse 8 talks about a man who's not a five-fold preacher as per se. He, he's just a regular guy. His name is Stephen. And it says, Stephen, full of faith and power, look what it says about him, did great wonders and signs among the people. So now we see a regular guy, so to speak. He's not one of the 12 apostles. He's not one of the remaining 11 apostles that followed Jesus. And yet he's a guy, you know, just living his life, but he's full of faith and power in God. And he does signs and wonders among the people. Uh In the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 4, we're well past the resurrection of Jesus, and many of the apostles have died at this point. But here it says, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. But look at this, according to what? To his own will. So God bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, But all of that happens according to his own will. So now you've got all of that going on in that one power-packed verse. You've got signs, wonders, miracles, healings. And so I've seen seen, uh, God move in so many different ways. And I'm reluctant, you know, to, you know, and, and, and and I thought about this a lot. Why doesn't the Bible real get real specific and tell us about what are those signs and wonders? And, and one time it says that, that it says in Acts that God did unusual miracles through the hands of the apostles. Is that right? How many members that? Unusual miracles. Now I would call a lot of what Jesus did unusual miracles. Jesus didn't do healing in a pattern. In other words, take blinded eyes. You'll never find that Jesus used the same, how can I say, methodology to heal a blind person. He did it different every time. Why? Because he wanted to. 
That's all I know. Now, okay, so if weird stuff, and I, I'm a kind of, I'm just a normal guy. I don't like weird, fakey, flaky, post-toasty weirdness. But I can take a little weirdness as long as when you get through with your weirdness, we got somebody totally healed of stage four cancer or whatever the deal is. And I've seen that. But, you know, if we got somebody blind and you take the Bible example, which you, you have that, and you spit in their eye and declare them healed, I'm good with that as long as they leave seeing. <clears throat> but if you call out one of my precious Grace Point people and you spit in their face and they still blind when they leave, then I'm going to talk to you. We're going to meet. Now, if they walk out seeing and they never saw, you want to hear nothing out of me but praise God. So I can put up with some weirdness. And see, that's only weird to us because we don't know the Hebrew faith. In the Old Covenant, the Bible said that there would be plagues and these things that would happen. And one of the plagues that it mentions that would come upon the people because of their turning against God was blindness. But the Old Testament people who did not know God because Jesus hadn't come yet, they attributed blindness as a curse from God. Follow me now. So therefore, even as we get into the New Testament, you may wonder why people spit upon Jesus. We see a whole lot of spitting going on in the New Testament. Right? The word spit comes up. We, you, know, you know, our culture, we don't, that's a, that's a negative, gross you know, they even got signs around places, no spitting. <laughs> you know. Uh, so we don't understand it. So under the old covenant, somebody that was blind wrongly was perceived that they were blind because God cursed them from their birth. Remember one time they saw a blind man and the disciples asked Jesus, you know, who's made this man like this? Was, was he born? You know, who sinned? Was it his or his parents that this man be born blind? Am I right in the Bible? Is that what it says? And, and so they're trying, to, they're trying to get cause and effect going there in, in that particular case. And Jesus actually says, he actually in the Greek he says no. But he says neither, it's how you read it in your Bible, neither, but this is for the glory of God. So here some people get dumb enough to teach that God purposely allowed this person or made this person to be born blind so that then he would have somebody to heal on that day. That'd be like a doctor saying, I'm going to shoot you in the leg so I got a patient today and I got somebody to work on. That, that, that ain't a good doctor. Well, business has been slow. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stop that bleeding, you know, pretty quick here. I, I gotta, you know, it's ridiculous. What God is saying there in the in the the Message Bible and some of these other more modern translations renders that it says, "Stop looking for cause and effect here. You're not going to drag me in and try to figure this out." He said, "All you need to do is focus on what will bring God glory. There is no such cause and effect here. Stop trying." So sometimes we. We analyze things too much. Are you with me? So, so you, 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 you have to see that when the miracles that Jesus did, like, so the spitting thing, 
The reason they spit on Jesus when he was walking down the Via Della Rosa carrying his cross is because they were saying that you are cursed by God. Cursed is the man who hangeth upon the tree. So they're spitting all these, the crowds all line the road, these Jewish people, they're spitting on <coughs> Jesus. And what they're literally saying with their spit is that we agree with God. You're cursed, or this wouldn't be happening to you. <coughs> we agree with God. So people in the Bible who were set by the roadside begging like blind Bartimaeus or those people like that, many times would not receive money, especially from the Jewish people, they would get spit on. They were used to being spit upon. And they, and what the people, and they knew from their culture what those people were saying when they spit upon them, though they may not even know them, but they were saying, we're not going to help you, we agree with God. If we helped you, we would be disagreeing with God. <laughs> we agree with God on his curse. Why? He had a good reason for cursing you. <laughs> we agree with God. So here comes a man who no doubt had been spit upon by the crowds many times. And he comes to Jesus. And he's blind. And he can't see the man that's before him. Jesus spit in his eyes. And he goes, one more time, I'm being spit upon. But only this time, that spittle resulted in his healing. And his eyes being opened to see the one. Who, who took what the enemy meant for harm, who took the curse and reversed it and said, this is not God. Oh, man, I feel the Lord on that. This is not God who has cursed you with blindness. But I've come to reverse the curse and to, to undo what the enemy's done, and this is not my father. My father's never cursed anybody with blindness. That's a good daddy. Sometimes he made spit on the ground and made mud and packed it on one man's eyes and told him to go. And it was really some distance he had to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Takes faith to do what God says even when it looks foolish. The Bible said he did that and he came back seeing. I love that. He came back seeing. We'd come back seeing too if we would just do what God tells us to do. Those impressions, those thoughts, those things. Sometimes we're defeat ourselves by unbelief before we ever even take a step of faith. Just believe God, church. Walk in the Spirit. Believe that God can do anything in your life. And I've told you just like those little impressions, those things that come. And it's not all on church campuses on Sunday morning. It's not all just five-fold called ministers. It's you as a believer. These signs shall follow not preachers. These signs shall follow believers. In my name, they'll cast out devils. Devil ain't going to cast. You know, you don't have to be afraid of that. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they'll what? Recover. If the devil can lay hands on sick people and they recover, how do we know what's going on with the devil? That would be just, that'd be setting us up for failure. Sometimes people try to go to the old covenant when Moses stood before uh, Pharaoh and his soothsayers and magicians and, and remember the staff that was in his hand given to him by God, and God told him to throw it down, and it became a serpent. The Bible says the soothsayers did the same thing. They threw their staffs down and they became serpents. Keep reading though. <laughs> God ain't going to never leave you without a clear picture of who's what. And the Bible says Moses' serpent ate all day serpents. <laughs> he ate them all, burped and belched and turned back into a staff and Moses took it and said, now what else you got? Devil can't, mm -mm. devil can't even get close 
The church, again, needs to believe in a God who is limitless, infinite, can do anything. Stop listening to too much news and start believing God. I could stand here and tell you so many things and miracles that God has done. Time don't allow it. But my purpose today, and I've seen signs and wonders and miracles, some of them of which I cannot even begin to explain. One of my pastors in another city in my network sent me a, a message just within the last two weeks. He said, Pastor, I want to encourage you to tell uh, those stories again. And what this pastor was referring to was back in the late 90s, 98, 99. I'd have to look and see exactly the year. But I've I, I seen God do so many wonderful things. There's times in my life where I knew that I knew that I knew that it was God. And I wish that happened every week, every month, every year even. And sometimes, amazing as it is, it's easy for me sometimes to, to forget what God's done. I remember in November the 1st of 1998, I preached in Tifton, Georgia, for a friend of mine on a Sunday night. Came home, no advance, nothing, warning from the Lord, went to bed. November the 1st, 1998. And during the night, never before had happened to me, I saw a vision. The reason I say vision, because it was more real than a dream, and I actually thought I was awake while it was occurring. This may sound strange to you, but I saw the Lord himself appear to me. And he walked up to me, and he said, Arise and study the Edmund Fitzgerald. And that was it. You go, man, what kind of pizza did you have, dude, before you went to bed? <clears throat> I graduated high school in 1977. Thank you. I know I don't look that old. Appreciate it. But, but the only reason I say that is because in the 70s, around that time, there was a guy that made a song very popular, Gordon Lightfoot, The Sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. If you don't know what the Edmund Fitzgerald was, November the 10th, 1975, on Lake Superior, an iron ore-carrying vessel was lost in the middle of a horrific storm, made front headline news on all the major papers, New York Times, Chicago Tribune, those type papers. Most of it was in big, bold letters in all those papers, and you can actually Google that later and see it. And most of the time it will say Fitz sinks, Fitzgerald sinks on Lake Superior, and in most every one of those Without fail, it'll have in big, bold letters the same as that type, 29 men lost their lives. 29 men lost their lives. What's that in the world? That's got to do anything. I'm just saying you can't limit God. And so here, November the 1st, 1998, uh, I ain't even thought about nothing about no Edmund Fitzgerald. But I knew it was Jesus. And I didn't roll over and say, I'll do that in the morning. I got up out of my bed, went to my office, and began searching on the Internet for every piece of information I could find about the Edmund Fitzgerald. Now, when God said that to me, I had no clue. All I knew is I went to bed November the 1st, 1998. When I looked at the, the news reports, I saw that November the 10th is actually when that thing sunk 23 years prior. And the Spirit of the Lord came on me. And I knew in my spirit that God would give a sign on November the 10th of 1998. 
I was so convinced, and my parents are here, my wife's here, Pastor Keith, different ones that were there. And by the way, all this is recorded. So I go to my church. In those days, we were really saved, and we had midweek service Wednesday night. So this was a Monday morning, early a.m. that I'm studying all this. I spent the next days, never even hardly left my office, my wife would tell you, and I studied everything. And the Spirit of the Lord was speaking to me. How many has ever heard a preacher preach about the Titanic or include the example of the Titanic in a sermon? Probably every one of you. The Fitzgerald, Edmund Fitzgerald was only second in notoriety to the Titanic. And most people, that's not my opinion, that's what, I, you know, historically. And probably due to Gordon Lightfoot's song that went so popular. Well, so there's nothing going, going on, you know, so I just studied the second, third. Wednesday night I go to, to my church and I, sh and I tell them about the vision, the encounter that had happened. At this point, I do not know clearly what God is, is doing. But I knew it was God and I told the church that there would be a sign on the anniversary of the sinking of that ship that we would see. Now, I lowballed it. I thought it was local. I remember even that Wednesday night praying for the town of Fitzgerald. <laughs> I was covering my bases, you know, prophetically. I was just didn't know what, what was going to happen, what was up. So Wednesday night at church, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, we're back Sunday morning. I mentioned it again to my congregation. Didn't preach a whole sermon on it, but I told them. And then Monday morning, I remember having a meeting at my church with some of my leaders early that Monday morning. Two of my leaders. One was a prophet, one was a pastor. I remember being up in a service in Charlotte, North Carolina, where a man who's dead now, prophet, something, whatever, this is just how the story goes, but Bob Jones called me and my wife out in this meeting of several thousand people as we went up where ministers were being prayed for, and he laid hands upon her head and mine, and he declared an impartation. I'd read tremendous stories about this man, how God would use him and, and, and different things and even things involving big things. And I remember that he prophesied about one church out west that he was coming to minister. And he told them, he said, as a sign from God as I come of what God's going to do in your church, snow shall be on the ground when I arrive. Well, it was not the time for snow. It wasn't June or July, but it was no, they had never had a snow that early. And so the morning that he was to arrive that night and start the meeting, they all woke up to snowing. The, the pastor of the church uh, said some of his staff, in other words, somebody went there and asked, you know, like, you know, where are we going to go eat lunch today? And, and, and not knowing they were, uh, and that nobody would go to lunch because they were all fasting and repenting because they had seen the sign of the snow. And they were so, like, moved that they just wanted to focus on God all that day. So here this guy declared that, and I remember, and I said these exact words, and I can verify this, and I can bring the person that I, one of those that I talked to that they could bring both, but the other one would be difficult. But, uh, and I remember I said to one of my pastors, he's one of my staff pastors, I said, you know, I'm so sick of this, yea, the Lord love thee, my child, stuff. I'm ready to go deeper with God. I said, man, just a few months ago, Bob Jones prophesied over me that God was going to, you know, do wonderful things like that, and I, I ain't seen nothing. And they said, well, don't be discouraged, Pastor. Come on now. You, you know, just that kind of a meeting. And we went on to what we really was meeting about. Now, remember, it's Monday morning. Okay? Monday evening at 6 o'clock, 
I was home. TV was not on in my house. We lived in the country, but we had the, the satellite. How many knows you had the big satellite that you could, you know, communicate with the aliens and all that big one? That, the real big satellite. Not these little wimpy things that hang on your house today. This was big boy. That's what we had. And my phone started ringing at 6 o'clock. My members started calling one after another. And they said, they said, Pastor, have you got your TV on? Now remember, nine days prior, they had heard their pastor say, this is what happened. This is what God said, Evan Fitzgerald. Now listen to me. I ain't making this up. My phone started ringing because they said on the Weather Channel, same Weather Channel you watch today, and all the other news, local and national, they're talking about the Edmund Fitzgerald. I turned on my television, and, the, and I know it's a green screen, but the backdrop behind the dude had on the marquee there, ominous anniversary. November 10th, 1975, November 10th, 1998. Ominous anniversary. Edmund Fitzgerald. Amen, baby. I remember seeing that and just felt, I, I, I can't describe. God showed me that 10 days before it was to occur. And so what they were saying was, and this is so, and I have the Noah weather from the Noah weather. I have, the, I have all that. Still have it saved on my laptop. You want to see it scheduled, meet with Johanna, I'll show it to you. <clears throat> But they said on the anniversary of the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald, there will be another storm like the one that sunk the Fitzgerald on Lake Superior on the exact anniversary on the same day. And it hit, and the Noah weather thing, the epicenter, almost like this is a storm that caused them to start raiding winter storms like they do hurricanes for strength. This storm broke all low barometric pressure readings ever recorded. On Lake Superior. Now they had enough warning that everybody got off the lake. And no ships were lost. No lives were lost. The epicenter of that storm was kind of done that little circle deal. And then the, the front came all the way into the Gulf of Mexico and moved east. And God began to speak to me through that, through that reading of what happened. And 29 men had to do with October the 29th, 1929, the stock market crash and all those financial things. God began to speak to me about things that we had never even heard of at that time. And, and those things was prophesied and recorded in November of 98. And, and, and even things like what we have been seeing in our own paper twice lately, the West Nile virus. And exactly one year later, we started seeing some of those things happen. What, what, what's the point in that? i tell you one, one of the major things, and, and, and we'll get off of that, but, but God gave us, me, 10 years warning of the economic crash that, come, that came upon this nation. 2008, I don't know where you're doing around there. That's when it all crashed, baby. God gave me 10 years warning, a decade, that it was coming upon this nation. But because everybody was stacking the teacups as high as we could stack them and nobody didn't believe nothing going to ever quit, nobody wanted to hear the message. God's a good God. Do, do, do you know that that being so accurate like that, boy, when I went back to my church that following Wednesday night, Wednesday night we was packed like Sunday. And they was all sitting there like this. 
Do you, do you, listen to this. Do you know that I had at least one family that left the church because I had that vision and they saw the prophetic power of God? You know why? Because her husband thought I could see them Playboy magazine stuff between the box spring and the mattress. And he's like, man, I can't go to church like that. Dude sees too much. Well, your wife, I already knew about your Playboy magazine. She done told me that, so. power of God will scare people that ain't used to it. You know, Jesus cast the demon out of a naked man. The demonized man from Gadara. Remember that dude? Man got 12,000 demons. That ain't your average bear right there, bro. He's got a legion. That's 12,000 because you don't know. 12,000 demons this brother's got. That brother's van was full. You know what I'm talking about? And he ran naked through the tombs cutting himself and threatening people. You couldn't even travel through the area because of the, everybody knows about the crazy naked man. Jesus comes, casts the demons out of him. They come and see him sitting clothed and in his right mind talking nicely to Jesus. Now what was their reaction to this? They went up to Jesus and begged him to depart from their coast and not return. For they were afraid. So some people, the seed of, they'd rather have a naked demonized man than they had the power of God. That's crazy. That's religious. You know what? The sad thing is Jesus never shows the record that he ever went back there again in scriptures. He likes to be wanted where he comes. The Bible said Jesus sent his disciples into every city and village and hamlet into which he himself was about to come. What they did is just went and said, now listen, he's on the way. Get ready, get ready, get ready. T.T. stole that from them brothers. <laughs> Jesus is coming. What do they mean? He was already here, but he meant his actual presence. I want to tell you, God's marked this house. He's marked this ministry. He's marked your life. He wants to do more in and through you, for you. He wants you to take the constraints off. He wants you to believe in the supernatural power of God. He wants you to believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He wants you, you know, some people say, well, seek, you know, seek the giver of the gifts. Don't seek the gifts. You ever heard that? Mark them as a dumb person that told you that. That's not Bible. The Bible tells you to desire earnestly the best gift. What's the best gift? The gift you need at that time. If you got the gift of making biscuits, but I'm sick, I don't need your gift right now. I need the physician gift. You know what I'm saying? The healing. Are you with me? The best gift is the gift that's needed. The Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1, desire spiritual gifts. And especially that you might prophesy. Why? Because what does prophecy do? It exhorts, encourages, it edifies, builds up, and it brings comfort. So we all, that's why the Bible says you may all prophesy. You know how to speak comfort and encouragement and to build people up? You should do it from the time you see them in the parking lot until they get back in the car and they leave this place. If you're a part of Grace Point, you should encourage people. Build them up. Comfort them. If you see them walking and broken and weeping, bring comfort to them. Don't depend, don't, you know, don't depend on Pastor Dale. You know, hurry up and do it, Pastor. You know, get them straight. I mean, come on, man. Help me. Help a brother out. But believe God for more, church. Why did I tell you that story? Because that's supernatural. I didn't ask for that. I didn't pray for that. I didn't pray for Jesus coming to me on November the 1st in the middle of the night, wake me up out of my sleep, tell me to ride and study Edmund Fitzgerald. 
And then you think we ain't heard doodly in 23 years, and all of a sudden it's a coincidence that nine days later, we know it's on the worldwide news. You know what happened in my church? Man, the elevation of the prophetic appreciation went high, didn't it, baby girl? And for a long time, until people get back in their old rut for about six months, man, you can just prophesy. And you can... Because why? The people came to every service with a great expectation and an anticipation that God can do anything today. But after a while, you know, it's like, ah, we ain't seen that. Ah. And for long, it's just old Brother Dale teaching a Bible lesson to us, and let's hurry up and get through, brother, where we can go eat chicken and go home. And that's what you get because that's what you believe for. But if I told you Benny Hinn was coming next Sunday, the place would be full. And you would come fight for your seat and you'd get here way earlier than you do today. And be mad if they got your seat when you got here. As if, <laughs> but why? But your expectation would be higher. But Benny Hinn ain't got nothing. Nobody else ain't got in here. If you're born again, you got Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you don't have a different Holy Spirit. There's not a Benny Hinn Holy Spirit. There's not a Catherine Kuhlman Holy Spirit. There's not a this Holy Spirit. You know, there's not a, a kid, teenage Holy Spirit and an adult Holy Spirit. There's just the Holy Spirit of God, and you all have him if you're of him. And if you've been born, the power of God dwells within you. The power of Christ that raised him from the dead dwelleth within you. And you just have to have preachers like me every now and then to kind of rattle your cage and to remind you, stop living according to the flesh. Stop talking like you don't have a God. Stop living like he's not supernatural. Stop believing that just because somebody tells you that's the way it is, that's the way it is. The doctors will do their best, but they don't have the final say. And, 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 and I've told you this, and I know we got to go, but I've told you, I mean, and I'm, I've seen God do it, and I don't know why, why it does like this. I don't know why, I can't, but it's a, like I read to you, it's according to his will. And some of you were with me in my other church when I, I, I was praying one day, and it just happened to be during the feature tabernacle. Well, why does that seem like that's all the time? Because our expectation's higher then. It ain't like just God says, I want to show up then, and then, you know, the rest of the Sunday's you on your own. But the reason that you can see more miracles, and I've seen more miracles in the past 10 or 15 years of my life during that, that time, is because the people's expectancy is more. I tell them the stories, and their expectancy comes up, and I get to do it again. So I'm praying in the service, and I said, God, you know, you know and I'm just open to God, whatever. And, and, and God spoke to me and said, I want to uh, heal tonight of two things. That doesn't mean that God hadn't done it, and it doesn't mean that he, but he's going to display that if I will step out in faith. And, and this is what he said to me, uh, a, a hurt little finger, little finger. And then he said, screws and plates, where there's a fracture with screws and plates involved. I, I know some of you have heard it before. But I, Psalm 78 said, I'm supposed to tell you again. Now, I didn't make this up. And a lot of preachers would never even, and I don't make me great, they just wouldn't ever touch this. And I get wore out sometimes because, God, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm praying for this. I want to see my people touch. I don't want to bury one of them. Why, listen, why did Jesus ever raise anybody from the dead? Why? Why did he raise him from the dead? Why did he raise a little boy from the dead on the way to the graveyard with a son? Why, why raise Lazarus from the dead? Why did you ever raise anybody from the dead? To display his power, bull. No way. He raised him from the dead because he loved their family that was weeping over them and because it was not their time to die. You ever heard that? Everybody got a time to die. It's just a time to go. Whenever your time comes, plane, train, bus, or ground, you know, all that's just bull. You don't want to decide how long you live by what you do a lot of times. You know? Come on now. 
you, you misinterpret some Old Testament scriptures. We'll take a Sunday and I'll help you out on that. When God tells you that, teach us to number our days, he's not, that verse does not say your days are numbered. <laughs> he just means, literally in Hebrew it says, just make your days count. Live every day, make it count. Come on, don't waste a day. Don't waste it. Don't waste your days. God's the same on a Monday as is on a Sunday. Don't buy into all that. Okay? So I go to my church real quick. I ain't going to go long. I said, and, and so I called all the people up front. Now listen, Brother Dale is just a guy. I'm just a guy. I know I'm called by God. I'm chosen by God to preach his gospel. But I'm still just a guy. I like to not look like an idiot. I, I, I do well enough on my own without help from God to help me. And so, but what's, what you got to do if you want to see some of the stuff, you got to speak it out. And see, that's what the trepidation and the human fear can come. And so I said, I believe the Lord spoke to me a couple of things. I said, I'm going to go this first one first. I said, is there somebody here that is hurting in your little finger? And then you wait. <laughs> and there's been times you call it out like that, and they don't even say boo. And then they meet you at your truck after the service is over and you look like a fool because nobody came forward and they go, oh man, I feel so embarrassed for pastor today. He missed God. He called that out and nobody said nothing. Why don't he just preach and be nice and not try that whole stuff? I've had them thoughts a lot myself, man. And then they meet me out at the truck, you know, before I get in and say, pastor, I'm sorry I didn't come up this morning when you called that. That was me. Would you pray for me now? They never get healed out there because I'm full, full of wrath and anger on them then. <laughs> I'm like, you need somebody to pray for because I want to knock you out. <laughs> I, you can't say that to them, but of course you just go, yes, let's pray. <laughs> God forgive them for making me look so stupid up there this morning. You know. <laughs> but here a little lady in our church raised her hand. And I said, you're hurting in your little finger? She said, yes. Now all this is going in front of people been recorded she said yes I said how long you been hurting she said for 90 days three months <clears throat> I said okay let's believe God so I had her step forward and I took touched her you know little finger and, and I said let's let's believe God for her healing so I just said you know be healed in Jesus name and then I asked her the question Really hate to ask him this, but I said, now, is the pain going? Because I asked her before, are you hurting now? She said, yes. I said, how long have you been hurting? She said, 90 days. She said, it's not like debilitating, but it just hurts all the time. It just aches. And you say, why would, you know, so I don't know. So I said, are you still hurting? And then she looked at me with them little eyes, you know, like, oh, I hate to make you look bad. But I can't lie either because I'm in church. And I said, it's okay. If you're hurting, just tell me. And she said, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm still hurting. And I said, listen, y'all. To my church, I said, listen, God said this. And I said, one thing, all y'all just watching me pray. I said, how about helping a little bit? And let's believe God for this woman's healing to manifest. And so the next time, I just kind of upped Annie a little bit. I'm like, I'm bowed up a little bit. Now, I said, not rebuke this pain. I curse this pain and the root cause of it in the name of Jesus. And I command this finger to be healed. Because that's how Jesus prayed. He ain't asking God to do it. God's done it. He just commanded and We're in the forces. We're the enforcers of what's been paid for. We are ambassadors for Christ. We're enforcers of the price paid. Yes, and so then I asked her, and I said, now is the pain gone? 
And then she smiled and said, yes. I said, really gone now. I said, you ain't got to lie. It made me look good. She said, no, Pastor, it's gone. And I said, well, praise him. Glory to God. Let's praise him. And then, I, then they're waiting on the second thing. And I said, the second thing God told me is there's somebody here that you've had a fracture, and there's plates and screws involved in your brake, and it's causing you a lot of problems, and, and God wants to heal you of it. How many of those plates and screws is a fur piece from a little finger hurting? I had no, no paradigm for that. No, no, no. And I said, so if you've got plates and screws here, then you come up here, and I want to pray for you. If my memory tells me four or five people came. I laid hands on them. Nobody screamed, hollered, shouted, whatever. What I did not know was a lady in my church. I know her, but I didn't know her. Had that nine years ago, had fallen. Actually, she had fallen and, and uh, broken her ankle so severely that she had eight titanium screws and plate. You know, uh, and she had lost the, the it's called plantar flexion ability of that foot. She couldn't move it like this. And actually, she had had a, some other kind of orthopedic work done on her body some months prior. And on her last appointment, which had just occurred about a month prior to this, she asked that orthopedic surgeon, could he go in and take those plates and screws out that he put in nine years ago? And he said, yes, I can, but why would you want me to do it? She said, well, I can't move my foot. He said, if I took them out, you still ain't going to move your foot because your bones are fused. All those did was hold you while they fused together. So you're never going to get that back. I'm sorry. And she said, well, my foot swells a lot, in, in, especially in winter stuff, and I can't wear my, my pretty shoes as a lady. And I'd like, he said, I can't. He said, the pain and trauma you'd go through with me taking them screws and plates out wouldn't be worth because I couldn't guarantee you that that swelling wouldn't happen again. So I'm sorry. You know, just not nothing I can, I can do. Well, okay, I just thought I would ask. When God hears one of his little children, so then God moves on me four weeks later to call out plates and screws. Do you know she didn't even come forward? When I said that, her husband was standing by her side, and he elbowed her and said, you need to get down there. He's talking about you. But she's so shy like some of you are, and it's okay. It's cool. God's cool with that. You know, this ain't the only place God does work right up here. God can touch you right where you're sitting. She said, I'm not going to go down front. She said, God can heal me right here. Now, the Spirit of the Lord is just coming on us. See, that was her faith. Sometimes you talk and faith don't even know it. She said, the Lord can heal me right here. And when she said that, and you feel the Lord now, that's, this is truth. She said she felt her ankle begin to burn and tingle. She didn't even mention it to her husband. Because we are so trained to not believe that anything is possible like that. You've had it nine years. What makes you think today's different? And her ankle began to burn and hurt or burn in heat. And so she never said nothing on the way home. Went home, and I've been to their home. Big steps going up to a house. Husband, you know, she said, go on in the house. I'm going to pet the dog. I'll be in in a minute. He said, I'm going to go in, put us on some coffee. That's normal at night. And uh, so in a bit, she didn't come in. He stuck his head out and said, what are you doing? Get in the house, woman. <laughs> all this he told me the next morning. I, didn't, I don't know all this is going on. I'm home in the bed myself. She said, watch this. She went up those steps like this. Now, I'm not going up steps. But what she had to do previously is when she focused steps like this, she had to do this. You see that? Because you ain't got plantar flexion. Now she said, watch this to her husband, and she did this. He hadn't seen that in nine years. <laughs> now that was all he didn't need 
no further explanation. He hooked it all together. It's about done. Hang, but hang on. You're talking to a guy that lives this. I've seen it. Now, at 8 o'clock, am I telling the truth? 8 o'clock next morning, do you know who I'm talking about, Pastor Keith? Is it true? Mom, Dad, is it true? Next morning at 8 o'clock, our phone's ringing off at the, at the house. And I'm like, who in the world calling this early? I try to observe the nine. Don't call four nine, don't call that nine. You know what I'm saying? Anything beyond that ain't good ever, <laughs> you know, seemingly to me. And, uh, you know, nobody's ever called me at 1 o'clock in the morning. Pastor, I just want to tell you I love you. Now, don't none of y'all do that now. Don't, mess, don't play with me. <laughs> but anyway, that brother got on the phone. He couldn't even talk to me. He said, Pastor, I hate to call you so early, but, you know, we, and he told me what I just told you. He said, and we, when, when that happened, he said, you know, Pastor, he said, you know, you just don't see this. But you see it, but you just don't see it. But you see it. He was just talking like crazy. Like, like, like. He said, you know, me and my wife, we went in the house, and, we, and we, 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 we laughed, and we danced, and we cried, and we shouted, and we tried to sleep, and we'd lay in bed and start giggling, and then we'd get up and praise the Lord. And he said, we didn't hardly sleep none last night. He said, and I couldn't wait for daylight where I could call and tell you what, what God did for my wife. That's a miracle, y'all. That's a miracle. That's, that's you know, and, and I'd all, you know, my Dale's brain goes, man, I'd like to, you know, send her to the orthopedic guy and let him shoot an x-ray and to see if the plates and screws are gone or how do you get plantar fate? I mean, how, how does that work? Did God take the plates and screws out? Did he leave me in? I mean, you know, that's my medical brain just thinking. <laughs> but it don't matter. It don't matter. Sometimes I've seen people that their, their physical manifestation, they're non-symptomatic of a disease that shows up on all the equipment that should have them dead. But yet it's like God is supernaturally just, just, just you know, making them live, and, in, and, 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 not, and they're not symptomatic. And, and you go to the doctor, and they'll go like, you're not having any syncope episodes, which means fainting. You're not fainting. You're not passing out. You're not, and you go, no. And they go, well, you should be. <laughs> but, and, and I've had, well, don't worry about it then, because God is sustaining you. And I don't care how the, you know, how the, 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 the miracle or the healing manifests on the equipment. Now, we was always trained as paramedics, you know, treat the patient. Don't treat the monitor. I mean, just because it goes flatline, don't shock the brother. His heart might be beating. It might have just come unplugged. You know what I'm saying? He ain't going to like you if you shock him when he's up and conscious and alert. You know? Don't just respond to the symptoms I'm saying and, and all that the doctors say. Believe God for greater than that. Am I helping anybody today? Would you stand to your feet and give Jesus praise? Come on. Elders, would you come and, and ministry team for prayer? I'm going to dismiss the church. Now listen, in this series, because of the nature of what I'm doing, I'm going a little bit beyond my normal time. How many agree with that? Y'all okay with it, huh? Now several of you rebuked me last week, and here I go again. I'm sorry. You told me to stop doing this. And stop worrying about the time. <clears throat> but I'm a pastor, and I love people. And I do get concerned about, I just want you to be happy and love God. I want you to come back. I want you to learn. And I want you to see the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. I want you to believe God that I don't care how long you've had something, what's been going on in your life, God's able, more than able, to do exceedingly and abundantly, above and beyond all that we ask or think of him to remind you again that he's a good God who loves you that he's never made you sick one day and he's not the problem 
He's the cure. He's the answer. Okay? He's the answer. I'm asking you to be an instrument of this. I'm asking you to talk to people. I'm asking you when those little impressions come. I remember I was in Alma, Georgia one night preaching at a church, denominational church, and I had people standing like this. And I remember I looked out. My wife would remember this lady. And I saw a lady standing on my right side. And my passion just welled up. I don't, it's hard to explain this, but God targets you with me sometimes. And, and I just looked at this woman. Never been there before, didn't know the woman. But I felt that I was to pray for her. This happened to me over the years, and I've told you some stories. But I asked her, to, I said, and I identified her. I'm having to, no, not you, the lady, even the, you know, okay, you. Ma'am, would you come and can I pray for you? She nods, and here she comes. This is one of those stories. She walking down front, and I'm asking God, God, please reveal to me what it is. What, what is it, Father? And I've had God say things like I told you about the woman infirmity and God healed her of breast cancer and all kind of things. But as she stood before me, it seemed like God wasn't saying anything. I said, Father, inside I'm saying, Father, what is it? And I heard the Lord say to this. He said, tell her that I love her. I'm thinking, I've been telling that the whole night. I've been preaching. And that's what God said. And I looked at that woman. She was a middle-aged lady, and I said, ma'am, I said, look at me. Because she had her head bowed, and she was looking at the floor. She was doing no expression, no tears, no emotion that I could see. And she was just looking down, and I said, ma'am, look at me. And she, you know, slowly looked up. I said, look, look at me. Open your eyes. Look at me. God told me to tell you that he loves you. You remember her, Jill? <laughs> Because, <laughs> see, I'm drinking again of that water and from that well that runs so fresh anytime I mention it. I'm there again now. I'm standing before and I'm drinking of that water. This is the power of testimony. And this is why God gave you a memory not to be used by the enemy to torment you of the things you've done wrong in the past and the hurts and the wounds. But God gave you a memory so you would remember what the Lord has done on your behalf and for you. And if he's done it before, he'll do it again. And I said, ma'am, look at me. I said, the Lord told me to tell you that he loves you. And when I said that, she burst into tears, audible weeping and crying and sobbing. And her hands went up before the Lord. She began to cry, oh God. I love you, God. I love you. She started doing that. We just let the woman go. Let them have their praise moment, you know. Seemed like five minutes to me. Finally, she got herself together, and I, she said, can I say something, Pastor? I said, yes. She turned, and she said, this is not my church, and you people, most of you in here don't know me. And But she told her about her life and how difficult it was, and she said that, I was determined to take an overdose of pills today and take my life. And I heard about this revival. And I told God I'm going to go one more service. And I'm asking you to prove to me that you love me and you even know I'm alive. <laughs> if that woman had 
not heard anything from the Lord, no doubt she would have fulfilled her own personal prophecy of suicide and destruction. What a sad thing. But on that night, God met her. And God said, ma'am, I love you. And just those words, I love you, broke her bondage. Jill, didn't that woman follow me everywhere, every revival in that whole region for years? She thought I was the best preacher she ever heard in her life. She became my personal friend. She thought I set the moon as they say. And anytime I was in that whole region preaching, I would look out there in that revival pews and I'd see that woman sitting out there with that big smile on her face. She was sitting out there. She said, hey, Brother Dale. And everywhere I'd go, I'd see her out there. Hey, Brother Dale. I'd go in all different churches. Hey, Brother Dale. Because God used something as pitiful as this through the gospel to save her life. It changed her forever just those words for the words of the Lord spoken to the right person at the right time is like apples of gold in settings of silver know that when you find yourself in that moment that I shall give you what to say in that self same moment and so do not be afraid and do not be intimidated to speak on my behalf for I will put my words into your mouth for my word is already in thine heart and I will use you and I will cause even great things to happen in your life says the spirit of God God wants you to have stories to tell to your children and your children's children. Share the gospel. Believe that it's gifts and it's not earned and it's not credit to a good life lived. It's just a person that believes in the goodness of God and that will stand on his behalf as an ambassador and say, I want to pray for you. I want to open my mouth and say this to you. Grace Point, go after this world that's hurting. They need God so bad. They need God so bad. They need God. Have you gotten anything out of this? I'm trying to dismiss you. Man, I don't want to. You don't have to go. But if you want prayer, if we could pray for you, minister to you, believe God with you for something today that you're believing him for, then we'll join our faith with your faith, which is the faith of Christ. And just freely receive what grace is freely provided. This is grace point. And God's grace is the point of everything we do. We are saved by grace, kept by grace. God loves you. You won't ever come here and be beat up on and discouraged. You'll be told about the goodness of God. And I've been trying to tell you these last few weeks about the power of God. Not stories that I heard and read about, but I was there. I saw it. And, and if God can use me, because I know me better than I know you, and he can sure use you. He can sure use you. And I love you. And I mean that. And I hope you feel that. I love you. This church loves you. These elders love you. We love you. We want to see God do great things through you. There's too many folk hurting out here. They don't know about a loving God. Go tell them, okay? I'm going to release you, church. I love you. If you want prayer, I don't care what it's about. You come down this way. We're waiting on you, okay? We'll pray with you. God bless you. Go enjoy your Sunday.